0: Welcome to the Telford Minster podcast. Thank you for joining us and listening along. Our vision is to make Jesus known in Telford and we hope that your attention is grabbed by Jesus today and what he's doing in your life. We have now moved into the completed Minster space on South Southwater Square in Telford and we'd love to invite you to come along and give church a try at our 4 p.m. gatherings every Sunday opposite Wilco's and above Novello Lounge. Enjoy the podcast. When he arrived, the other side in the region of the Garadines, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the, the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs were feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out... Send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and they saw him, they pleaded with him, to to leave their region.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Isn't it great to be here to worship God and just join in that amazing song of praise together at the start of this service? Um, So my name is Laura. I'm one of the team here. And it is just awesome to bring you this passage today. What a strange passage. I was sat there next to my daughter and she just said, This is a bit of a strange one, isn't it? I forgot you were preaching today, Mum. And um, it is. We're in our Character of Christ series and we're working our way through different parts of Matthew's Gospel. And this afternoon, we're thinking about how Jesus brings freedom, how he brings freedom. So if you have a Bible, can I encourage you to get it out? It might mean that you look like you're on your phone, but I can trust you not to be scrolling through social media, can't I? (laughs) need to look over there do I um open it up Matthew chapter 8 there are some spare Bibles over on the um, prayer station over there if you want to go help yourself to one to look at Matthew chapter 8 and it's a bit of a funny story isn't it we end up with some pigs drowning in a lake but the world that we live in is captivated by good versus evil is this going to work not sure the world we live in is captivated by good versus evil there are films there are books there are computer games that all center around this theme of good and evil think about star wars we've had comic-con um get together in the telford international center this weekend you might have seen some people dressed up on your way in Think of Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader. Think of J.K. Rowling's and Harry Potter and their group of friends stand up against Voldemort. Think about Batman versus the Joker. Good versus evil is a story that we hear again and again and again. Now we're going to share some good news today, but we're also going to share some bad news. So maybe we'll start with the bad news. There is an evil one who wants to come and destroy everything, to destroy us, to cause havoc and to create damage in this world. An enemy who despises everything about the goodness of God and everything about the people of God. And he does everything he can to stand in the way of us as God's people. So... It says in Ephesians 12, which is, sorry, I was going to try and be really clever and use the clicker, but it doesn't seem to be working. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Here, Paul is telling the Christian church in Ephesians about this. This is bad news, and it's the reality of what we're living in. But as well as the bad news, there's good news because we have Jesus. Jesus Christ has overcome the powers of evil and Jesus holds all authority to give us freedom. And we, as the people of Christ, do not need to be afraid of these powers of darkness. Now, a few years ago, I visited Rwanda and... um, I don't know if you know about in Rwanda, there was an awful, awful situation about 20 years ago where about a million Tutsi people were slaughtered in around 60 days. And they were slaughtered by people that they lived alongside, their neighbours, people they grew up with and went to school with. And it is one of the darkest situations in human history. And someone who was there at the time, a peace worker who worked for the UN, said this... He said, I know there is a God, because in Rwanda I shook hands with the devil. I've seen him, I've smelled him, and I have touched him. I know the devil exists, but therefore I know there is a God. Now we see the impact of evil all around us. There's so much in the world that isn't good We've seen horrific scenes taking place in Ukraine over the past few weeks. We see evil in the vicious way that the Taliban rule in Afghanistan and all that's happened there. There are dark forces at work trying to oppress people based on the colour of their skin or where they live or how their gender. Evil is all around us. We're confronted by evil in the senseless abuse of innocent, beautiful children. And we know that evil is still here today. We can see it in our world. There's an enemy that has a stranglehold over people and in this world. So, back to this story. Matthew chapter 8. Have a look in your Bible. If you look just before this story, you'll see that Jesus and his apprentices, his disciples, are there arriving at the Gadarenes, just after Jesus has calmed the storm and saved the disciples' lives, basically. So they get off the boat, and immediately, two demon-possessed men come running up to them. I mean, welcome to the Gadarenes. Wow, amazing. Two people that are so violent, because it says that. And it says in the text that these men basically lived in the graveyard, or amongst the tombs, which in itself is a bit creepy. So you can only imagine what it might have been like to arrive at this place, off the boat, just come back from this storm, and these demon-possessed men run up to you. And we know that from their mouths, or maybe from the mouths of the demons that possess them, that they come with a declaration saying that Jesus is the Son of God. The best exclamation for the Son of God phrase is another translation which might say the Messiah It refers to Jesus being the one who's able to judge the world and put it back together as it should be. And here in this story is where it gets even more strange. We see that Jesus' presence and this one-word command he gives the demons reduces the demons to begging him. Just by Jesus being there, the demons turn around and they say, please don't torture us, please don't torture us. And when, in fact, those demons have probably been torturing these two men in which they inhabit for who knows how long, maybe years, maybe the whole of their lives. So they look to Jesus and beg him in desperation. They ask for permission because they have no rights. They say, Jesus, please just send us into into these pigs. Now, just a side note, Jewish people at the time saw pigs as one of the most unclean animals. So by asking to go into these pigs, they were going into the unclean animal, where they deserved to be, the most appropriate place for them to go. So with one word, not with a conversation, not with any conjuring up or special prayers or anything, Jesus speaks to them and he says, go. He says, go. And he sends them into the herd of pigs and the pigs freak out. I can only imagine the scene and down the side of the bank and then that's it. At the words of Jesus, these pigs and demons drown. What we find here at the end of this chapter is that Jesus's presence and his kingdom was now beginning to invade the world in a hidden way to people but in a way that was recognised by the evil one and the evil one's forces. And this is such a significant time in Jesus' life here on earth. It's the moment we're now seeing, along with his disciples, and we read about it in Matthew, that the evil forces in the world are responding to Jesus, the Son of God. It's almost like the idea that he is on the move. Notice in the text it says, are you going to torture us before the appointed time? The demons are saying to Jesus, are you going to? Because they know, they actually know that the time is coming. They know that Jesus is the actual king, and they knew he had the authority to drive them out. Now, this story ends with the men telling people what had happened to them. So I can only imagine they ran into the town, the place where they'd been banished from, and they said to to the people there, hey, this guy has set us free. And we're fine. Anyone want to go hang out? I mean, I don't really know how conversations went at the time, but um, they might have been like, hey, we're okay. Let's make friends again. This guy has saved us. Now, people must have believed these men. They must have seen a transformation because they went with them and found Jesus. And they immediately asked Jesus to leave, to leave their region I wonder why. That makes me ask some questions. They've seen the transformation in these two men, and they ask Jesus to leave. Maybe they were afraid. Maybe they couldn't even begin to wrap their minds around how on earth these men's lives had been transformed. Did they just see Jesus as a man? Or maybe someone practicing witchcraft or magic? I don't know. Or was his glory for them just too great? We don't know the answer to these questions, but to be fair, I think most of us fear what we can't understand, don't we? And sometimes as Christians, we can box up the idea of an enemy, we can box up the idea of an evil one, because it just seems difficult to understand, difficult to comprehend. But if we do that, we're doing a disservice to understanding what Jesus has for us, We do know that at that point, Jesus and his disciples got back into their boat and headed back to the other side of the sea to Capanium. I can only imagine what the disciples were thinking. They're like, is there going to be another storm? Maybe we could have just been on dry land for a bit longer. Now... Open your Bibles again. Chapter 8. It's good to actually read the Word of God, isn't it? Let's follow this chapter through and see where this comes in the story, because here we find a climax happening in chapter 8. At the beginning, we see that Jesus heals a man with leprosy. You can probably see that from your headings. He moves on, and then he heals the centurion servant, which in itself is a declaration that Jesus isn't here just for Jews, but it's, he's here for everyone. If you were watching a film, you could probably hear the music in the background beginning to swirl around this excitement that something is happening, that he's on the move. Then we see Jesus healing a fever, beginning to do healings and casting out more demons. And the music begins to grow. He's on the move. Stuff is happening. And people are probably thinking, who is this man? Who is this man? What is happening? Jesus is on the move. Then we get to the calming of the storm and we see that Jesus has authority over creation. And we're starting to go, wow, seriously, there's is, this is something happening here. As readers of this passage, we're like, whoa, there is something on the move. And then at the end of chapter eight, in the story we've heard today, we see him now having authority over the demonic, over evil. And he is in his rightful place. Satan is in his rightful place, being sent out. Into those pigs and drowning. They declare that Jesus is the Son of God. And the music at this point is probably climaxing into this amazing drama because we can see that Jesus is on the move. And we're like, it's so good. It's so good. Good is winning over evil. And as readers of this and hearers of this passage, we're thinking, this is significant. This is a major turning point in this story. This is the start of his journey back to Jerusalem. And we'll think about that throughout Holy Week, starting with Palm Sunday next week. Now, just a note. In all of the healings that we see Jesus do, he never, ever attributes sickness or demonic powers to any divine or God-given reason. Instead, he credits them often to demonic involvement. Whether that's the chaos of nature or the manifestation of something demonic or a fever, Jesus rebukes them all as the work of a very real enemy. It's not something we can just choose to ignore as followers of Jesus, that there is an enemy at work. In this way... I think Matthew is laying out here that Jesus is establishing of the kingdom of God and Satan's rule is dispelled, making room for God's kingdom to grow. And this is how we should read and understand the story of the demons being placed into pigs. So as Jesus makes room, the kingdom of God is able to grow on earth and that is there for us today too. We're invited to be part of making room for the kingdom of God to grow. But I just felt like when I was preparing this, there are sometimes two problems that we have with this. Firstly, often, I don't know about you, I desire for sick, suffering and sick, sickness to kind of just be neatly packaged into a little box. And I bypass much of what it actually says in the Bible. word of God and make assumptions about what God is doing and what God has willed. And we can fail to listen to the message we find in today's reading. Now, I went to church growing up as a young person, and I often heard there was this common belief that if my suffering or sickness didn't stop, then it was within God's will that I was sick or suffering. And that is a message that just isn't in the Bible, isn't in the Bible. It's not in line with the life and message of Jesus. Jesus came to bring freedom. His will is always freedom, always healing, always wholeness, always restoration, always a push against darkness and evil. It's always those things. And we often reduce the message of Jesus by saying suffering or sickness, some kind of God-willed thing, helping us to grow, making us passive. And the reality of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God we put in a box. Jesus came so we can have freedom and so can the world around us. And your suffering is not a lesson to be learned. And I'm not suggesting here that we don't have opportunities to learn while we walk through suffering. But God doesn't will evil to happen so we can learn a lesson. That is not the God we follow. So that's the first problem. We need to acknowledge that and address that. The second problem is if we're going to embrace the reality that Jesus came to eradicate, to wage war on the kingdom of darkness, over the demonic, over sickness, over oppression, then it means we have to embrace him as our authority. We have to be saying, God, I give you my all. And for many of us, embracing authority can be difficult. We've grown up in a world where we have passions and we're taught, you be you, you do you, and be the best version of you, and, and you, you can bring about your own good. I don't know if you noticed this, but I'm a passionate woman. I love to get passionate about stuff. So for me, I find authority really difficult, because when somebody challenges me or something doesn't go the way I hope, I can kind of dig my foot in the ground and be like, no, I want to do it this way. Being passionate is not a bad thing in itself, but it can be really difficult for me to let go of authority. It feels like a bit of a tug of war in my heart. And I know it's not just me. The question of authority is a burning issue in our culture. We challenge it because so many times the worldly authority around us has failed us. It forces us to embrace this narrative that it's every man or every woman for themselves And no one or no thing is to be trusted. We should just rely on us. This is one of the greatest deceptions of our time. And it will keep us from experiencing the joy and freedom that comes from knowing Jesus. We need to give him the authority. The thing about it is it's costly. And we all know that. And it can be scary for many of us. Because authority has been distorted throughout our lives the connection that we so crave is to be found in Jesus. And I can only imagine that if we sat long enough and still enough to actually make space for God, we'd find us within ourselves all a desire to have his authority over our life. The invitation to Jesus' authority is not a robotic relationship It's not authoritarian. It's not a top-down telling you what you have to do. Jesus isn't hammering his fist one way or another. He's not going to slap you around the face when you do something wrong. There's an invitation. There isn't a demand. He says he's standing at the door and knocking. There's an invitation to come and find wholeness, peace, and healing. To find freedom from these demons that hold us back. So to embrace the idea that we're seeing here in Matthew means we must entrust ourselves to the one who has all the power, to Jesus, to trust his authority, that he will always be working for our good, always be working for good, bringing us freedom. And I know for a lot of us in this room, We are probably yet to give Jesus authority in every area of our lives. The decision to enter into a life where we give Jesus authority doesn't just happen in one moment where we're like, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. It's a constant tug of war. It's a constant choice. And there'll be many moments in our Christian walks as we journey as apprentices of Jesus where we need to come before God and say, yes, I give you authority over my life. And it, when it comes to these two things, the kingdom of evil being pushed back and making room and finding freedom in Jesus and us submitting ourselves to his authority, we can't have it both ways. If we want to push for the kingdom of God to come, we need to give him authority over our all. Another way of saying that, if there are areas in your life where you want Jesus to be over Specifically, those painful parts of your life where you want to say, Come on in, do the thing, heal my ankle, it's been bothering me. Do whatever it is you're asking him to do. We have to let him into the rest of our life too. That's how it works. It's a bit like if you're making a cake and you miss some of the ingredients, it doesn't really rise. We'll only ever be half hearted disciples of Jesus if we don't give him everything. If we want him to do the signs and wonders, if we want him to do amazing things for us, we need to let him search us and know us. We need to allow him to speak with authority about our Netflix watch list, about our porn addictions, about laziness, about the way we treat our housemates, about the way we can retreat and isolate ourselves. We need to give him license to do those things. If he has power to deliver people In a moment, with one word, is he not worthy of us giving him our, uh, us saying to him, I give you authority? But we can't have it both ways. We need to give him our all. So the call for us today is to invite him into those spaces as well the dark places in our hearts, all of the spaces of ourselves, and embrace his authority because through Jesus we find freedom. So, just take a breath. And can I invite you to stand? I think there are two invitations that are extended to us today. If you have never said to Jesus... I want you to bring freedom to my life. I want to give you authority. There is an opportunity to do that. To live a life unmarked by sin, unmarked by the things we do wrong. To know Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, who came to set us free. There's an opportunity for you to do that today. And for others of us, it's about allowing Jesus to take us back to those places where we know we're yet to give him our all. Maybe there are things we hold on to. Maybe, maybe there are things you weren't even aware of until you heard this passage unpacked today that have just been highlighted to you in your heart. So let's invite God to come. You might want to just open your hands out. And his spirit can come in many ways. It might be that you sense a feeling or he speaks to you through a picture or maybe even your, your sense of physical response and you just can't help stop your body from moving or making a sound and that's okay. But let's ask God to come now. Come, Holy Spirit.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope this time has blessed you. Hit the subscribe button to hear more like this and to find out more about Telford Minster, follow us at Telford Minster on Instagram and Facebook or go to telfordminster.com.